0: Amen. I we're going to ask if you're a veteran, if you would, to please stand. And also, if you're a family member of a veteran, if you'd please stand, because you made sacrifices as well. So if you will stand at this time, we'd like to recognize you. Just want to thank If you'll just remain standing for just one moment. I, I've said this often, and it, and it can't be said enough. Only two persons have ever died and bled to, for your freedoms, the Lord Jesus Christ and the American soldier. So thank you, men and women, for your service. We love you, and I pray that America treats you well. God bless you, and let's thank them once again. Thank you. standing just for a moment we want to take just a minute to welcome you to the service if you're visiting with us today it's an honor to have you here and before you rush out we always encourage you just to please stop by our guest table in the lobby we have a guest bag we'd love for you to pick up and also encourage you either one of a couple ways you can fill out the care card in your bulletin if you're visiting and would like to request information either you may like a visit from one of our staff or you might like to come by the office or you may just say leave me alone I'm okay Whatever you want to put on there is fine, but we'd love to have a record of your visit. Um, But right now we're going to ask everyone to turn to your neighbor, say hello. You can just wave at them if you want to with all the sickness going around. Welcome them to the service as we continue to worship. Some uh, updates on some folks that we've been praying for. And these families have specifically asked me to mention their names during this prayer time and they've asked for your prayers. Wayne Jones, who's been at, at Iredale for about two weeks, he's at home now. Continue to remember praying for him. Anita Dunn, who's been a member here longer than I have, she's usually in the choir. You know, she's battling cancer. I talked to her. She went to the ER, I think it's Thursday or Friday. She told me how much she loved her church and asked me to specifically mention her this morning and asked if you would to pray for her. Jimmy Chapman usually sits right here, and uh, he's at Wilkes Hospital. Um, His family, I went to see him last week as well. His family has specifically asked if our church during this time would pray for him, and also Bill Tigg, who's a longtime member of East Hills Baptist Church. Amber, his granddaughter, Amber Spicer, texted me this morning, and uh, Bill is... Approaching heaven's door, but they would really appreciate your prayers. That's what this time is for. I'm going to ask you, if you will, to pray for them. You also can pray for yourself, our our church as well. But as the choir leads us in this this song, will you please meet me here, daughter, and let's lift these families up to the Lord together in prayer. Thank you. time, would you please, if you would, silently lift these families up in prayer and pray for God to touch them physically? Would you also pray that the Lord would help them emotionally? If you've been in the hospital or had a loved one that's uh, very sick, you understand how that is. And then now if you'd pray for them spiritually. Father, we want to thank you, Lord, that we can get gathered together as a church, as a family, Lord, we're a family of believers, and pray for our family. Lord, these, these folks I mentioned are family, and Father, we pray that you would touch them physically, emotionally. Lord, I pray that you would be as real to these, these folks as you ever have been, and Lord, help them in ways that only you can. And Father, I just pray that you, your word says your grace is sufficient, and I pray that they would experience that. Lord, there are other needs in this congregation as well. We're so thankful that you understand those. Father, if there's anyone here today that's never placed their faith in you, I pray that today would be their day of salvation. Father, we want to thank you that we can gather together as, as, as a believers in Christ. And Father, we pray that you'd bless the rest of this service. And we want to tell you that we love you today in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you so very much. There's only going to sing praise his name, and that is my testimony, this song. I'm going to try not to cry. Uh, Whether we go through good times, bad times, in the valley or up on the mountain, we should always praise the Lord. He knows what we're going through and what we're going to go through, and he has been so good to me and i just want you to
1: listen to her saying and listen to the words
2: you realize life's not always fair you can run away and hide let the old man decide or you can change your circumstances with a prayer when everything
0: Thank you so much, choir. Has the choir not been a blessing to you? Let's give the Lord another hand clap of praise. Thank you so much. As they make their way down, I want to mention, of course, the barbecue today. You have an opportunity to help the Arms family. I really appreciate uh, Michael and Sandra and their children. And uh, when the service is over, uh, we'll be dismissed, and you'll go down the hallway and just take a left and go through the takeout area, and they'll have your uh, your plates ready for you. Um, And I want to encourage you to give. You're you're really helping a good family here uh, with their medical expenses. Next week, we're going to be worshiping in a sanctuary. Uh, We'll have a baptism that morning. I think we have three candidates as of now to baptize. So if you uh, need to be baptized, please contact the church office this week so that we can take care of that. Also, next Sunday night, we'll have our shoebox party. And I'm just going to read what Maria gave me. It's November 20th at 5 p.m. in the gym. I think last year... We had about 100 people help serve. We'll have pizza that night as well to help us. And the reason we need your help is we're, this year we're going to be doing 1,100 shoeboxes. And ETBC has done over 6,500 shoe boxes in 11 years. And that equals to approximately 3,000-plus children following Christ on this earth. So we want to thank you guys for that. Praise the Lord. And uh, I want to personally thank Nick, Maria, and Colby Purdue for all that they do. Uh, Before they took over this ministry, we were doing around 100 probably shoeboxes, and I may be wrong, maybe a few more uh, here or there, but thank you so much for your vision and your passion and for leading us in that area. Uh, It's been a blessing. November 27th, okay, we'll be back in here. I know these are a lot of announcements, but uh, we'll be celebrating the Lord's Supper uh, that morning in here, and also we're going to celebrate paying the building off. We paid the building off, I think it was Wednesday. Head Building off Wednesday, so let's thank God for that. Isn't that a blessing? What a blessing. And on that day, we're going to talk about uh, the process and how all that came to be and how we feel like it was God just opening and closing doors whenever uh, whenever he, he saw fit. The, the, the fundraising campaign was called Time to Build, and we felt like it was just the right time. And I'm going to share some things that happened in our nation, in our church, and locally that just to us, it proved that it was just the right time to build. And uh, we want to thank you so much for uh, entrusting us with money to pay for this. This building will be here when we're long gone. Aren't you thankful for that? I wonder how many people paid to have the sanctuary built and how many people have been saved in that building. That'll be here long after we're long gone. So God blesses and honors buildings, and we just want to thank you for that. If you have your Bibles, stand with me and turn to 1 Peter chapter 5. We're going to look at two verses today. This, this verse, these verses affect us all. Whether you're a Christian or not Christian. So, this is something that, that you can apply to your life, whether you're born again or not. And if you're here today, I would just say this to you that Satan wants you to stay lost, unsaved. God will do everything within heaven to woo you. You have a choice to make at the end of this service, whom you'll follow. But today, we're going to be talking about who is the devil. I remember hearing Adrian Rogers preach, not on this verse, but he was talking about the devil. And he got up there before his church, about 7,000 people, and he said, I just got news. And when Adrian spoke, you listened. He said, there's a line outside those doors. When you leave, be careful. And I was like, there's a line in Tennessee? Really? And he said, there is a line, and it is vicious, and it is it is." It it's desires to devour you. And then he read something like this. Be sober, in verse 8. Be vigilant because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom, look at the word may, you allow it to happen. Okay? Now, so whom he may devour. Not who he can, but whom he may. Now, here's how we overcome him. Resist him, steadfast in the faith. Knowing that the same sufferings are experienced by your, look at, look at how he describes the church, brotherhood in the world. Hey, you're going to find out this morning how important, not just churches in general, but how important your church is. Being a part of a local church is such a blessing when you go through hard times, all right? And we're seeing that this morning in our congregation, amen? You prayed this morning, all right, for people that asked you to pray and they asked their church to pray, This is not people just in the community, which we would pray for them as well. But isn't it something when you pray for your family? We're having a barbecue for our family, right, this morning, the brotherhood. Aren't you thankful that you belong to a church? Let's pray together. Father, as we come to you in prayer, Lord, we want to thank you for your word. Father, we do have a great adversary. Lord, help us to win. Lord, we we, we win by resisting, just taking a stand. We just take a stand and stand strong in our faith. Father, if there's anyone here who's doubting, discouraged, Lord, feeling defeated, Jesus, I pray that as a church, we could come around them and help them to stand strong in the faith. And we'll thank you and praise you for what you alone can do. And we love you today, Father. In Jesus' name I pray and all of God's people say together. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. First point here is this, who is Satan? Notice what Peter says again on the screen. He says this in in verse 8. He said, be sober. What that means is this. It just basically means to have your mind right. The battlefield's the mind. We talked about that last week. That's why Peter said to resist him, stand strong in the faith. What you believe matters. That's why church is important. That's why the Word of God is so important. What you believe matters. The battlefield is the mind. Stand strong. Be sober. That means to have a spirit of calmness, that means to have a spirit of of coolness. That means that he commands every believer to be this way. Stay calm, even though there's a line out there. You're to stay calm. And then he says, be vigilant, which means be watchful. That means to have situational awareness. You should really be aware. Now, I watch these self-defense things from time to time when I'm bored, right? And they'll say, look at this person's situational awareness. And they'll be on their phone. or, or Have you seen those people in the mall, and they're walking on their phone, and they fall into the water fountain? That ain't funny, people. No, I'm just kidding. But situational awareness. You know, most ladies are robbed at gas stations because they're just not paying attention. Leave your doors unlocked. Leave your car running. Situational awareness. Peter's saying that to his uh, people he's writing to, and they're scattered all over Turkey, these Christians are. They're being persecuted. Okay, And he says, be sober, be calm, but also be vigilant. You need to be watching out, and you need to watch yourself. Okay, Every one of you need to watch yourself. Because Satan hates you. Notice, because your adversary, that means the slander. That's a legal term. It's almost like if you were in court and you were innocent and the other, other attorney's trying to prove you guilty. That's what that means. That's what Satan's doing to you. You're guilty. You're guilty of the adversary. You're guilty. The Bible says that in the Old Testament, he was the adversary of Job. He went before God and said, Have you considered, or, or, or God said, if you consider my servant Job, and Job says, if you'll let me do this, you will let me do this. I guarantee Job will curse you and die, basically, in a sense. He was the adversary of Israel, the Bible says. In the New Testament, he was the adversary of Paul. He was the adversary of Peter. As a matter of fact, Jesus said, Simon, Simon, did you not know Satan has asked if he can sift you like wheat? He's asked. He was the adversary of Christ. He was the adversary of the early church. So in discord, distrust, discouragement death over and over again who do you think really pushed rome to start slaughtering christians it just wasn't their idea there's something behind them paul said we don't fight against flesh and blood there's something behind that every demonically inspired thing that you see today it's not just the person for whatever reason they didn't resist and they've given into it okay you got an adversary who the devil look at that word devil it means it comes from the greek word diablo which means this it goes back to the slanderer, if you will, the accuser. It's used 34 times of Satan in the Bible. Listen to what John says. He says, By this, the children of God, big G, and the children of the devil, Diablo, or Diablos, are obvious. Anyone who does not practice righteousness is not of God, nor the one who does not love his brother. This word is used of Judas. Adrian Rogers made this statement when talking about the devil. He says, Satan is the ultimate enemy. And the Bible never underestimates his power, and the Bible never mistakes his intention. He is hostile to God, he is hostile to Christ, clear throughout his life, and he's always hostile to God's children. He was created by God as an angel who rebelled against God, and he was so convincing in his talk that in the very throne room of God, he took a third of the angels with him. Satan is not God's opposite or Jesus' opposite. They have no opposite. Satan is not in hell, the warden of hell. He will be a captive of hell. Okay, But Satan is all-powerful. Satan is, is The Bible teaches that the whole world is in the kingdom of Satan. And under his power, Revelation 12, 9 says this, The great dragon was thrown down, this ancient serpent, who is called the devil and Satan, the deceiver of the whole world. He was thrown down to the earth and his angels were thrown down with him. Jesus calls him these words, the evil one. The ruler of this world. Those were Jesus' words. Jesus called him a murderer. Jesus called him the father of lies. Jesus said he has come to steal, kill, and destroy. You have a great adversary out there today. The Pharisees called him Beelzebub, the prince of demons. Paul called him the the god of this age and the prince and power of the air. So that's who Satan is, but think about this. How does he attack? That's what I want to know. He's walking around seeking whom he may devour. That word devour means to totally swallow whole. Totally swallow whole. How does he do that? Notice these four ways on the screen. He wants to, in your life, he wants to cause doubt in your life. Isn't it amazing? Think about this. The most unhappy person in the world, in the church, is a doubting Christian. The most unmotivated person in the world is a doubter. It's hard to charge hell When we may be going there. Very few atheists doubt, but most Christians at some point in their spiritual life doubt their salvation. Billy Graham doubted greatly because of a friend who told him this was not God's word. And Billy Graham's friend, who was a better preacher than Billy, ended up denying the faith and walking away from the faith and tried to encourage Billy Graham to do the same thing. And Billy Graham said, oh yeah, it caused great doubts, but overcame them. There's a stump somewhere in California, up in the woods, where Billy Graham prayed, it's a monument now, and said, God, I trust you, and I believe your word, and I'm going to live my He took his stand, and he says, I'm going to follow you the rest of my life because of doubts. And guess what happened? He led a large portion of the world to Christ. And his friend, unfortunately, died in a nursing home with dementia, still questioning his faith until he died. Doubts. What causes doubts? Think about this emotions. I have people from time to time say this. um, I just don't feel saved. Sometimes it can be kind of like, I wouldn't say bad preaching, but what I call um, doubt preaching. Uh, When the Lord saved me, he saved me. I mean, God just changed my life. Okay, I went from hardly ever going to church to going three times a week, going to revivals. I didn't read the Bible ever to reading the Bible, buying commentaries. I went from listening to hard rock music to Christian music. Okay, I mean, it's just how God changed my life. Then I remember a preacher coming one time during revival and he preached like a weed or tares message. Nothing wrong with that. He he called it religious or lost. And he started talking about how saved people think they're lost. I went to the altar three times in one service. That's true. I thought if anybody can be lost, it's me. And I remember a deacon came up to me the last time. He said, son, you're saved. You're saved. You're all right. No, you're saved. And I'm so thankful he did because I was saved. But my feelings and my emotions got in the way. Isn't it amazing when we, sometimes we don't feel saved? Do you know that you're not saved by feelings? You're saved by faith in Jesus. Some days I feel good, some days I don't, right? You're not saved by your feelings, okay? Satan wants you to feel lost, right? I mean, we don't always act saved, do we, sometimes, but you're still saved. See, emotions, don't allow your emotions. One, one person put, put it this way. My faith is in the character of God in his word. If we confess our mouth and confess in our heart, or if we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord and, and believe in our heart that God has raised him from the dead, we will be saved. Whosoever calls upon the name of the Lord in faith will be saved. You are saved, okay? You don't become unsaved. You're saved regardless of your emotions. But what else? What else causes us to doubt our salvation? Hard times, don't they? hard time. Why is this happening to me? I think about John the Baptist. Now think about John the Baptist. The common people loved John the Baptist because he stood up against the legalists, the religious legalists, and the religious people who used religion to gain and to keep the people under bondage. John did not get along with religious people because it was rules, rules, rules. It was never a relationship. He preached repentance and he would say this, God is coming, the Messiah is coming repent because the kingdom of God is at hand. And when Jesus came walking, he said, Behold, the Lamb of God, he takes away the sins of the world. His preaching was so good that the Bible says that, they put it this way, all the town came out to hear him in the desert. He just preached and they just came to him. Started baptizing people, okay? He just started baptizing. He said, he said I'm not going to baptize you unless you repent. This is the baptism of repentance. And people did. They flocked to him. He was a great preacher. Everybody knew about John. The Pharisees came to him. This is what they said. Are you the Messiah? Could you imagine? You know what John said? Nah, I'm no, I'm not worthy to unloose his sandals. I'm not him. He must increase. I must decrease. John the Baptist. Jesus said, John is the greatest man ever born of a woman, and I'll take his word for it. He was preaching. Now think about this. John had faith in Jesus. John baptized Jesus. Imagine baptizing Jesus. You think that guy doubt? He didn't doubt until hard times came. He started preaching. Herod was the king, and I think he killed his wife. She probably cooked bad. But anyway, he did. And he killed his brother as well, I'm pretty sure, and married his brother's wife. So Herodias married her uncle. Weird weird times in the Bible, right? Hard times back then, okay? And it was against Jewish law. It was not against Greek, Greek law or Roman law, but it was against Jewish law to do that. So John the Baptist started preaching about it. He started meddling in their business. Started preaching about Herod, the king, and his wife. Now listen, have you ever heard somebody say this? You better take my wife's name out of your mouth. Well, that's what Herod said. And Herod's wife said this. He said, I'll grant you a wish. And she said, listen to what Herod said before. For Herod himself had given orders. To have John arrested. She said, I want him arrested. And he had him bound and put in prison. He did this because of Herodias, his brother Philip's wife, whom he had married. For John had been saying to Herod, it is not lawful for you to have your brother's wife. So Herodias nursed a grudge against John and wanted to kill him. But she was not able to because Herod feared John and protected him. Knowing him to be a righteous and holy man. When Herod Herod put John in prison, listen, he would go talk to John. He was greatly puzzled. And he liked to listen to John preach. He liked to listen to him preach. But, but John was in prison, and John understood that probably what was going to happen is I was going to get exec- executed. And I bet John is waiting on a visit from whom? Jesus. be a good time to visit, wouldn't it? Probably be a good time for a miracle. How many, t- how many times did God just get people out of prison? Oh, so many times. And John would send his friends. See, if you, if you see where the prison where John was at, it was a desert place. Well, it was awful. Now, John lived in the desert, not in some confined little cell. And John's confined. He's given his life to Jesus, he's given his life to God and to the kingdom and to the ministry. And he's preaching a word of righteousness, and he's in prison. But the Messiah, God in flesh, is on the earth. He baptized him, he pointed him out, he elevated his ministry. And so far, Jesus hadn't even visited. So he tells his friends, he says, go talk to Jesus. See what's happening. He gets updates. He's saying, well, the blind have received their sight. The deaf are hearing. Jesus is preaching. Thousands are following him. He healed, he healed a lame person. He healed a leper. And John's doing like this. Where is he? Where's Jesus? I'm still in jail. Time passed and time passed, and guess what John said? John sent word and said this, are you, are you the Messiah? Are you the one? Are you the one? Or should I look for another? Great doubt. One person put it this way, He felt as if God had left him, and the devil himself had taken his place. He tried to recall all the prophecies and signs that seemed so clear to him before, but it was difficult to think straight. Comfort was just not, wouldn't stick to his soul. Doubts buzz around his brain like the flies around his face. The thought of being executed for the sake of righteousness and justice he could bear, but he could not bear the thought that he might have been wrong about Jesus. His one task was to prepare the way for the Lord. If he had gotten that wrong, his ministry and his life was in vain. Think about that. One scholar put it this way, In this age, even the greatest, strongest saints experience deep darkness and doubts. John said, Are you the Messiah? You ever doubted in your life? Hard times will make you doubt and this is how it ended up for John. It said, And the king was sorry, nevertheless, because of the oaths and the oaths that he made to his family, because of those who sat with him. He commanded it be given to her, it. Now listen. So he sent and had John beheaded in prison, and his head was brought on a platter and given to the girl, and she brought it to her mother. I say that to say this sometimes God's not going to heal you, sometimes you're not going to get the job. Sometimes when your spouse leaves and you pray and say, God, bring them back, they're not coming, you're still saved. You are. Just because if I leave today and someone hits me in my vehicle and I die or I'm in a bad situation, Jesus is still the Messiah. i know better than anybody else. Hard times can hit me like anybody else, right? John is in prison, and he gives us a great example. You doubt. It it happens sometimes. But God is still God. Satan wants you to doubt. He wants you to doubt. He loved this in John. Notice this. Not only that, but he brings depression. Do you realize that it has been stated, experts tell us, ladies, listen, that one out of every four women at some point will will suffer some kind of depression. One out of every ten men will. It's real. Depression results in more absenteeism from jobs than almost any other physical disorder and costs employers more than $51 billion per year. 15% of depressed people will commit suicide. The enemy has come to steal, kill, and destroy. Depressive disorders affect approximately 18.8 million people and it's higher now. 9.5% of the U.S. population age 18 and older suffer from some type of depression. All, there's a whole bunch of reasons why people are depressed. A whole bunch of reasons, right? But could it be behind all those reasons is a, a lion prowling around seeking whom he may devour. Depression hits the greatest of people. Winston Churchill confessed. He said, I'm hounded by the black dog of despair daily. Charles Haddon Spurgeon, who preached to 5,000 people five times a day on Sunday... Think about that. His sermons were, were, after he would preach them, he manuscripted them. They would be in the paper in London the next day. Spurgeon preached and preached and preached. We call him the Prince of Preachers. One of the greatest orators to ever live. And Spurgeon said this, I am the subject of depressions of spirit so fearful that I hope none of you ever get such extremes of wretchedness as I go to. He says, many of us travel to heaven by the darkness of night in our soul. He died at the age of 58, it killed him. Albert Einstein once said, it is strange to be known so universally and yet be so lonely and dark on the inside. Depression. Paul put it this way, for we do not want you to be ignorant, brethren, of our trouble which came to us in Asia, that we were burdened beyond measure, above strength, so that we despaired even of life. That word despaired means to be utterly at loss In other words, Paul's situation seemed so hopeless that he saw no way out but death. One of my preachers I love to listen to, his name is Tommy Nelson. He stood up before his church one day and spoke for five minutes. He said, I've been out of the pulpit this long because I, he said this, I've been through the darkest valley of my life. I've suffered from depression. Now, Tommy Nelson has sold so many, his church has, I don't know, he makes money off of it. So many CDs, he was known for the Song of Solomon series. Colleges would buy it. College ministries. When he spoke on depression for five minutes in his church, five minutes, it was the number one requested tape in the history of Denton Bible College Bible Church. Satan wants you to press. Satan wants his church to sow discord. Do you realize that when the first church started in Jerusalem, the Bible says that there was probably three to 5,000, maybe more than that? And the first thing that, that that the church dealt with. There was a famine, was feeding everybody. And the Bible says this. Listen to what the Bible says happens. Now this church is flourishing. It's the church. He says as the church grew bigger, Satan also started sowing discord in the church to distract the church and dis- disrupt the ministry of the church. And the Bible says in Acts six, it says as the number of disciples multiplied, There arose a complaint against the Hebrews by the Hellenists because their widows were neglected in the daily distribution. If this was not handled appropriately, it could have resulted in unhealthy factions within the church and split this church from the get-go. It is interesting to note, this pastor says, how people so readily and naturally gravitate towards a common grouping to start to take sides. Thankfully, the apostles exercised their wisdom and addressed this issue by appointing seven men who were deacons to handle the complaints and the discord. Satan's attack intensified. It went to Corinth and so on and so forth. The writer of Proverbs says this, there are six things that the Lord hates, seven that are an abomination to him. Now listen, if God hates it, he doesn't mince words. What are they? Haughty eyes, being proud, a lying tongue. Anybody want to be around a lying person? Hands that shed innocent blood, a murderer. A heart that devises wicked plans that lead to evil. Feet that make haste to run to evil. A false witness who brings out lies. Now listen to this. Anyone who sows discord. What you sow, you reap. If I put a tomato seed in the ground, what's going to come up? Tomato. Anybody here ever raise tobacco? Raise your hand. Anybody? Yeah, you're blessed beyond all people. You're going to have a special place in heaven if you worked in tobacco, okay? And if you die lost, you'll be priming tobacco in hell for eternity. is awful. I grew up on a tobacco farm. We would set tobacco. What that meant was back in the 70s is this. Now, my, my brother and I are probably 10 years old, right? 11, maybe even 81. Two people sit in this tobacco setter. You have this little shelf, and you have tobacco plants, okay? There's this thing that comes up, and you put a tobacco plant in it, and you set it. You said it. Behind you is a big water tank, and somebody's driving a tractor. And you do that for acres and acres. You just put a, and you guess what comes up? Tobacco. You know what happens when you sow discord? Let me tell you what happens when you sow discord. You're not in a tobacco setter. You're on your iPhone. Did you hear about so-and-so? Oh, we need to pray for them. What you doing? You're setting tobacco. That's what you're doing. Oh, yeah, that's terrible, isn't it? Oh, bless her heart. Somebody says bless her heart. You know what that is, right? We should pray for them, and then to guess what happens, they start texting, did you hear about them? Did you hear about this person in the church? Now, it's one thing for the lost world to do that, but are we a brotherhood? I mean, are we? What if it happens in here? What if something happens to Susan Rogers, wonderful person, and you start selling discord, you better hope it don't come to me. Don't bring it to me, because I'll shut it down in a hurry. Are we a family or not? You're going to sow discord in this church? God says he hates it. He hates it. Do you know how many assumptions have been made in this church? In this church about people, good people. Satan loves discord because you know what it leads to in a church? Death. About 10,000 churches a year will baptize nobody, and about 7,000 of them will close their doors. Because discord, line Christians who Satan gets behind, and they so discord. If you have something against Susan, I'm sorry to use Susan. She's, one of the, she's a Braves fan. She can't help it, okay? But listen, would it not be neat to go to her and say, I love you, can I help you? Would that not be the Christian thing to do? What if, What if Susan gets involved in some kind of sin? Should I call Melissa or Matt and say, hey, guess what happened? I could go to them and say, hey, I love Susan. Can we go talk to her? And say, so we're not being judgmental. We love you. and We want to help you. Or you can sow discord. Church, don't sow discord. Okay. How do you overcome this? Look at the last point and we'll be done. Notice what he says. He says, resist the devil. That means you take your stand. That's all you do is doing this. Nope. I'm not taking part in that. Nope. I know I'm a Christian. I got saved on this date. I'm a Christian. Even though I might have seasons of sin, we all do. I have seasons of doubt. I am a Christian. My faith today is in Jesus. I'm taking my stand on him. You remember when Nahum uh, dipped himself in the water? They said, you got to dip seven times. He was a pagan king. And, and what, what he did to take his stand was he took like two mule loads of dirt from the Jordan River and built an altar to the Lord. He took his stand and said, from now on, Naam's following the God of Israel. Okay, That's what it means to resist him steadfast in the faith. I believe in Jesus. He lived, he died, he rose from the dead, and nothing in my life is going to change that because sufferings will come. Look, the same sufferings are experienced by your brotherhood. I don't know how many times I've been to the hospital this week, and people would say this. I don't see how people, it was spoken in our Dickens meeting this morning, can go through what I've gone through without a church family. A church family. A, that word brotherhood means a family of like-minded people. A community of believers. Aren't you thankful to be a part of a brotherhood? I tell you, people that aren't a part of a church, and I, I've been with people, I preach so many funerals, so sad, so sad. And then I see people at East Hills, I can just speak for our church, and how the church rallies around and blesses people. You Remember when Sandra spoke last week? She said, I kept getting cards. She said you'll never know how much a card can help and bless you. Where did those cards a lot of those cards come from? Her brotherhood right here. Aren't you thankful to be part of a brotherhood? Now Satan would want you to sow discord in this place. Okay? But Jesus would say resist that and don't do it. And love your neighbor. Anita Dunn, I prayed with her Friday. The church is her brotherhood, but so is that choir. Thank God for that choir," she says. She said, "They love the choir. Loves me, and I love them." Okay. Thank God for my Sunday school class. Man, I tell you, when I was a young Christian, I just thank God so much for my Sunday. I appreciated my church, but also thank God for my Sunday school class. Amen. It's a brotherhood. Thank God for our deacons. Well, I do. Men meet together, big church, Sunday school, deacons. What a blessing. Aren't you thankful you're part of a brotherhood? Well, I am. Here, what I want you to do, I want you to stand with me with every head bowed and every eye closed. I'm going to ask your musicians to come. And if you have never placed your faith and trust in Jesus, I would encourage you to do it now. But I'll tell you this, a church is a family that helps fight against the devil's attack in your life. And after I pray, this altar is open. If you need to come down, I'll be here, Kevin will be here. If you've not placed your faith in Jesus, I'd love to talk to you about that. If you think you need to pray at this altar, it's open. If not, you can pray where you are. But ask yourself, let me ask you these questions. Do you feel right now overwhelmed? Do you feel attacked? Are you doubting God's goodness in your life? Do you need help, strength, and encouragement? I would encourage you today to call on Jesus. Call on Jesus and ask Jesus for help. Take your stand against Satan and draw near to God this morning during this time. Call on the Lord. Fathers, we come to you in prayer. Lord, I want to pray for the brotherhood here, this congregation. Father, I don't know what anyone's going through today, but you do. But I know that they have an enemy who wants to steal, kill, and destroy their life and bring death to Bring death to their calling, their purpose. Lord, bring death to their testimony. Lord, bring death to their church attendance, which is so important. Lord, bring death to their faith. Father, I pray that today we would take a stand and reclaim our faith in you and stand strong in the faith. Lord, you help who needs help. Give grace to who needs grace and strengthen who needs strength. And we'll thank you and praise you for what you alone can do. And We love you today, Father. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. As Sharon leads us in a song, this altar's open if you need it this morning. Come, every day. you can go down the hallway take a left there by the stairs and then you'll come back through the takeout area checks are made out these tails make your if you have a check make it out these tails and then we'll write the arms family uh one check at the end thank you god bless you have a great day and we're on regular regular schedule tonight at 5 p.m thank you